Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. As we get into part three of the David Charles Rush story today within this podcast i'm sure you guys have been following it we're actually getting into part three of it as we understand the credibility of this story in part one i talked about potential incidents that coincide with what his account is for finding ufos looking at the brazil case within south america episode two i talked about the situation out potentially could relate to the aspect of disclosure as it relates to stephen Bassent, who indicates this term post and pre, kind of getting into a little bit of it. And today I wanted to get into the credibility of the story, understanding who the people are that broke the story, who the lawyer is representing, and who is David Charles Grush, and how does his career match up. So let's get into the story. So y'all, if you're listening, please follow wherever you are on your platform, like, put reviews, all the reviews always help. The support is amazing. Follow on Instagram, posts on Instagram. Anything is really helpful if you guys enjoy this content. I appreciate you listening. I enjoy doing this and I really love talking about things like this as it relates to aliens, government, and whistleblowing. So if you enjoy it, please just give me a like, give me a follow, give me a review and all of that is so very helpful. And I want to thank you. So this story is one that I really think needs a deep dive. I think probably what's so crazy about it is how when we look at it, the media isn't really captivated more by it. Um, So I really wanted to provide a little bit of analysis looking at the actual debrief piece that was published on June 5th of, of this month, 2023, by Lester King and Ralph Blumenthal. Now, The reason why I wanted to kind of get into these different factors is I think a big story, obviously you guys believe them. I put out a poll and everyone is saying they believe this gentleman as a whistleblower, but another level of credibility and understanding the story. So when we look at the credibility and the why, I really want to present that because obviously we can understand, hey, this is a big deal because understanding if there's other life on other planets. But when we get to the actual meat and bones of this article, it's really good, but one thing that really is really evident is um, Grushin's ke- um, credibility. So as we break down the credibility, the first thing I want to really put out there is he at the current time is 36 years old. He's a veteran of, of the Afghanistan Army. Um, he worked for the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the National Reconnaissance Office, NRO. Now, when we break it down, um, NGA is the National Geospatial Intelligence. He was created as a form of aggregate geospatial data and we think about NGO as a whole it has more data than any other intelligent organization now when we look at the national reconnaissance office which he worked for we have to understand the mission of it is to respond and maintain global vigilance in a time of peace and war it's development acquisition launch to operate and innovate space-based survey and reconnaissance systems that allow intelligence to be driven from national security so a lot of this organizations of what we're understanding is they are a representation of understanding what's happening in space, both on Earth 
and looking outwards. Now, he served as the reconnaissance officer representative for the Aerial Phenomenon Task Force from 2019 to 2021. Okay, and as we look at it, we understand that he also worked from 2021 to July of 2022. It says here as the NGA co-lead for the UTAP analysis and the representing the um, task force. Now, that task force was created to aggregate data, understand different aspects of un- unidentified um, phenomenon. Now, that in itself isn't always the credibility, but when we look at his credentials, okay, first of all, we have to understand he did work as an intelligence officer. I know in a other uh, podcast, I, didn't, I know we didn't have his MOS, which is what how he served, but when we look at it, he was an intelligence officer for the Air Force. He worked for NGA and the National Reconnaissance Office. Now, if we look at that as credentials, and we know he has a top secret TS clearance, and he had to go through all the steps. We know that the government has vetted him. He's gone through. He's a well-rounded individual. He doesn't seem like he, in fact, would be giving away any secrets or any information for ill-gotten gain. He is a traditional whistleblower, and he has credible um resources and then he's a credible and like a credible person and the reason why that's important because it gives more validity to the story and within this article you have people like christopher mellon who actually served nearly 20 years in the u.s community as the deputy as the deputy secretary for the defense intelligence agency or dia and when he goes on record he's saying that in fact russian has um characteristics beyond reproach meaning you know he's very solid in who he is and there's multiple people going in the story and indicating hey this individual is a solid individual they have integrity and david is being able to present information that allows us to trust him a little bit more i think that's really important when we understand what a whistleblower is because a whistleblower in itself represents the aspect of intelligence i mean the and the aspect of integrity and being able to provide that. Now, when we look into to the two individuals, Leslie Keen and Ralph Bloomer, who I was talking about, Leslie Keen is really interesting. Um, she's been following um, unidentified phenomenon, and she's an investigative journal for the afterlife. So what we get from her is someone who's really keen on UFOs, who's been able to identify probably a lot of different stories and being able to present books on this um, phenomenon. So she does have that credibility of understanding it, and she has been following it for the majority of her career. Okay, then we have Ralph Blumenthal. Um, I can't. I think Blumenthal is that his name. Um, and he's an award-winning reporter for the New York Times, and he's also created several books about um, UFOs. John Gotti, you know, has a really long um, career as well. But I think probably. What's really starts to get interesting for me, and I really start to double down on this story, is looking at the lawyer who's representing Grisham, and that's Charles McClone III. Okay. Now we look at his past and his career; it also speaks to a high level. He's a former intelligence um, inspector general appointed by President Obama, joined the Compass Road Legal Group, partner, and he has significant milestones with the firm. So he's worked in a lot of different capacities. In fact, he did have, he was also formally brought in front of Congress as it relates to Hillary Clinton's emails. I'm going to go ahead and just play you a little audio clip so you can get a feel for who. That we had, uh, we can certainly, uh, it's over in Senate security. We provided it to SSCI, I believe, and HIPS. Can you provide this committee in a secure format 
um, the classified emails? What I, I can to a certain extent. I cannot provide a certain uh, segment of them because the agency uh, that owns the information for those emails has limited the distribution on those. So they, they're, they're uh, characterizing them as ORCON. What, so explain been, what ORCON is. Originator control. Uh, so I can't, uh, I can't give them to... Now, that's not related to this situation. He's actually talking about the emails um, as it relates to Hillary Clinton's server, but I think it's interesting as it speaks to his credibilities, whether you believe or disbelieve Hillary Clinton, he's a part of that um, story as well. He also reported to Jake Clapper, who at one point in time was in charge of the Defense Intelligence Agency. Okay, so we look at that aspect, and then I'm going to go ahead and play a little inform uh, an interview about Leslie talking about Grisham and kind of giving an overview, just so you guys can hear the way they talk and get formulate your own opinion. For ourselves. Of course, don't we all want that? And uh, the problem with that is all of that information is classified. You know, as we said in the story, everything that Grush told Congress and told the the um, Inspector General of both the IC, the Intelligence Community Inspector General, and the Department of Defense Inspector General. All of that information is classified. So when we listen to that clip, we're hearing two things. So she's the one that really covered the story, and she's also indicating that Grush's information is all classified still. So we know whatever he presented to Congress is information that we can't see unless we have clearance and we're potentially privy to that information. Now, why does this all matter? Well, it's doing a lot of different things. First of all, it's saying that the, the whistleblower, David Grisham, still has credibility with the U.S. government. He is still interacting with them, going in front of Congress. His lawyer has a strong um, credibility, and the authors who represent him have strong credibility. So these three factors add to the story, and it's interesting. But I think probably one of the biggest things is why why now and why this on a my last episode on part two i really covered the frequency of being information being released in june and if there is a strategic campaign to drip information starting in june of each year we're kind of seeing a little bit of a trend but one thing that's kind of sticking out to me within this is is where a little bit of disconnect is i mean obviously this is the first high intelligence government official who's operated and worked in IC communities, okay? When we think about the IC as a whole, we're looking at the NRO, which has is part of the IC community, NGA, which is part of the, I, the IC community, which is the intelligence community, and he has operated as an intelligence analysis working on different task force like UTAP. Now, this is the first time we have an individual indicating in talking about an organization that knows for a fact extra extraterrestrials exist, aliens of non-human origin. We have ships. We have indicators where we also have information that indicates cover-ups that have been happening. In this in this article, he is literally talking about how cover-ups have happened for 20 years, and we have the first time of that, which we know. Um, if we just look at information, people have been speculating that for so long, okay, and he's indicating it. Now, what's really interesting, and I think probably that something that most people may look over, is he's actually releasing this information to, one, start the conversation about UFOs and extraterrestrial. 
we're looking at the first whistleblower. And what we have to understand about this conversation is if this happened 30 years ago, people would be, their mind would be blown. But it's happening now. And in my opinion, if we talk about the timing and people caring if it's UFO or not, and people not caring, it means that they're doing a really good job of strategically releasing the information. Now, that's a conspiracy theory, but whatever you want to say about it, the strategic timing is working because people aren't going crazy because we literally have a government official saying it, but they're using secondary information. We have no pictures and we still have no like direct. We, we do have pictures of TikToks, but we don't have that really definite picture of the UFO encounter to really take people and be like, wow, aliens are real. They're on earth. You know, there's parts about this that is a slow drip campaign, in my opinion. Now, what, what's really interesting, too, is from a understanding point of how aliens are released or what bases interact with what one base that always comes up is Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And here they're actually talking about a potential building, NASIC, which is tied to the um, airspace missile and cyber threats. And what they do is they look at different things. And they're headquartered within Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and they work as the National Air and Space Intelligence Center. This is tied to the UTAP, which we know they are potentially looking at different things flying, looking and aggregating data and information. So really, too, what it looks like is there's some accountability happening for the actual UTAP program. So this is literally Grisham, and this is what he's saying, and I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. Investigators on the UTAP program approach to me is officially capable and disclose that their connection regarding multitudes of wrongdoing, such as illegal contracting agencies with the Federal Acquisition regulation or better known as the FAR, other criminals and suppression of information according to the qualifying industrial base and academy academics he said so he's saying that as a result of it government contracting so whenever you have government contracting of the FAR and this is the federal acquisition um kind of the the polit almost like the the laws and policies of how you contract through government and government spending and they're doing utap is doing wrongful spending and their approach is wrongful doing. So they're giving money to things and organizations that they shouldn't be. So he's trying to hold it accountable from that lens, which if you don't follow the FAR, it's a federal offense, and it's really important because it kind of holds accountability for where the money's going within the United States government. So the other organization that's really coming into question as it relates to UTAP is also the All-Domain Aerial Response Office, which is better known as Aero. Now, what's happening is you have different stories indicating that potentially there is wrongful doing, right or wrong, in a number of potential sources within this group that are not trusting the leadership of this organization. And this is coming from Congress. This is being stated. And it's you know also being kind of spoken about from Christopher Mellon. And with his credentials, he's even aware of this. So what it's telling us is that there's a discrepancy right now within the organizations that are investigating UFOs. And I really think the whistleblower is not saying, hey, UFOs are real. I think really the intention of it was to tell Congress that there is illegitimate situations going on within this group. And he's just indicating that aliens are real. There's extraterrestrials happening. And this organization is wrongfully contracting, wrongfully spending and not providing Congress with the right information as relates to UFOs. This is at the heart of this story, and we look at his credentials, and we look at what he's been exposed to, and that's really what he's getting out of this story. I think we know that, hey, 
He's saying UFOs are real, and he's going to Congress and saying they are not doing a good job of organizing this, categorizing it, and they're overspending, and we need to take a better look at them. And that's what's going on the classification expert, and I think that's really the information he's putting out there. And it could have been a double win where government organizations are like, well, let's also release this as a whistleblower because it's a great opportunity to do that in this current time. So in the beginning of this episode, I wanted to address two questions. The credibility and why now? Because that's probably the question we're all thinking. At the end of the day, we want to understand the credibility of the whistleblower and in who is telling the story. I went through it and I provided information on the authors, the lawyers, um, Gresham himself, and I think it provides a certain level of credibility for the story. But I think the why is really more interesting. And I know we want to look at the simple fact that, yes, there's extraterrestrial beings. We now know that we can say definitively aliens are real. This guy's saying it from his whistleblowing information that the government allowed him to release. And there's actually more classified information that Congress has that we can't see. But if we look at the why, what we're really determining is that the UTAP program and Arrow are doing things that go against the FAR. The FAR is the federal acquisition cycle, which is policies, laws, and mandates that indicate how you follow different standards within government contracting. And he's saying they are going against that and doing wrongful spending and holding information and not truly telling Congress what's going on. As a result of this, we look at Arrow's press release, and it kind of indicates that. You know, they're, in, they're saying that they have no idea of what's going on and there's no proof that we have aliens or there has been any reversing engineering of technology. Now, what's really interesting, if we look at um, this interview, and I can, and with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and read this to you. So it says, a spokesman of the Pentagon Department UTAP Task Force indicated that this is the following quote. Arrow has not discovered any Bible information to sustain the claims about crashed aliens. To date, Arrow has not discovered any information to sustain claims of programs regarding the reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materials and have existed in the past or exist currently. The Pentagon spokesman Sugon told ABC News this Monday. So we have a situation where David Grisham is coming out as a whistleblower saying that's just simply not true. So as we go through this, you know, I think it's really showing that there's some validity to what David Grisham is saying. Grisham, as it relates to, is Arrow a legitimate organization? Can you trust them? Um, they would have been ready for this and they would have known it because as it relates, probably someone potentially would have tipped them off within the whistleblowing because that is a part of what's happening within Congress. Um, I mean, within the Pentagon. So this also lays the simple question is, are we going to have more whistleblowers like this coming out and indicating and giving information about extraterrestrial activity? Is this going to pave the way? You know, what we have to understand is there's a difference between leakers. Leakers don't go through the proper channels. Whistleblowers do. And they go through criteria and they don't release a crazy amount of incriminating information they're providing information to the public that's not classified. So with that being said, will we get more? Is And I really think that's the point I was trying to make yesterday is like, you know, this time next June, what are we going to know about UFOs and extraterrestrials 
that we didn't know about today? And I think that's really the question because we're having Arrow saying there's no such thing as reverse engineered crafts and there's no information indicating that there's um, UFOs or aliens. So we have that kind of ability of the, of the government still presenting the disinformation campaign saying, no, this isn't true. And I think at the end of the day, this is kind of what the three themes are coming out of it, despite indicating that aliens are real. The first one is the credibility, and I think we established credibility. Number two, um, the why. It still has to do with a lot of the spending, and we look at Arrow's response, and I think it provides us a really good understanding of what's going on here. So this is the part three. Like and follow if you want more. I'm going to put a poll. If you guys want a part four of this story, I think I've really covered it in depth. I will, but you guys listen to the part one, the part two, you're enjoying it. So this will be the part three as it relates to David, David Grisham, the UFO whistleblower. We'll get back to you tomorrow. Like, follow, share on Instagram.